This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 252, recorded on March 17th, 2016. We're Home Gadget Geeks, and we cover all your favorite home gadgets and news, reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy Network Studios here in beautiful Bellevue, Nebraska. I'm going to post the show with world-class show notes, although they've been a little weak, I'm just going to admit. A lot of links out there, not much more. Uh, but if you always want to check out the show notes, you never know, out at theaverageguy.tv. You can also join us live on the new mobile app that's out there. Hardly new. We've had it for about six months now. If you head out to homegadgetgeeks.com and download either the Android or the iPhone app that's available, the best part is you can catch us on the road streaming. It's probably the easiest way when you're on the road. And we've been averaging nine or ten people live that way each uh, each program. So I know some of you are using it. I get a few stats on those. Uh, so, like I said, great way to listen to it if you're on the road and you can't get to the video. Uh, that is provided, of course, Spreaker is behind that. They built that app for us. But sponsored by LastPass, we want to thank those guys at LastPass for their sponsorship of Home Gadget Geeks. You can find that app if you want to get access to it, homegadgetgeeks.com. may not be bad to have on your phone just in case of an emergency. Uh, you know, you're on the road and you want to listen to us. Or you can just stream the show from that app as well. It doesn't always have to be live. Home Gadget Geeks, of course, is a part of the Geeks Network. Find the link to this show and many other great podcasts, including Mike Weger's Open Mic Night, which is uh, trying to get back on track. Right, Mike? You're... Can yeah, trying trying is a very good word. We <laughs> thought we were going to be back this last week, and then of course we uh, have trouble with live streaming. So there's always an issue with open mic night. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get you back on track as your leg gets healed. And of course, yeah. uh, Surface Geeks is out there, and Dave just put out a show 100, a Surface Geeks. So if you haven't been out there in a while, you can catch that. And we did a home server show two weeks ago, uh, and so you can catch that as well. Again, everything's out at the Geeks Network, the Geeks Network. Dot com. All right, well, it is a bracket-busting Thursday night. We're going to talk about NCAA tournament as we get towards the end of the show and all the things that are going on. It's also St. Patrick's Day, and we you got to have a guy named Murphy on when you're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. So, Mike Murphy, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Well, thank you. Good to be here. I'm, no, I'm glad I could be the Irish representation. <laughs> are you Irish? I am I, Irish. I mean, so, I'm not from the boat, but I, I've... I grew up in a very Irish town of Syracuse, New York was the town I grew up in, and all Irish. And um, yes. Awesome. So you're the real deal, right? I mean, we got the real Irish guy on the program. It's no, I don't drink as much as I used to in college, but I, I, I definitely like the holiday. <laughs> well, I, I'm celebrating tonight with a little gingerbread spiced ale from a little oh, nice. uh, a little Blue Moon gingerbread. This is their seasonal. I think it's probably a, a holdover from the the winter. Mike Murphy, any favorite beers uh, that you, you celebrate? Going. I usually do a Guinness or um, I drink Bud Light on ice or Guinness. So, <laughs> well, the Guinness is probably a better choice. I'm in Florida, so we tend to our beer doesn't get stay cold very long. Yeah, probably not. Uyghur, any uh, any beer favorites? Uh, can you are you off meds? Can you be? Uh, yeah. Can you be uh, okay? Off meds. We had a bachelor party last weekend, so I had no choice but to stop the meds because, of course, you know you yeah. can't do that. So yeah, yeah um, Wasatch Brewery is actually one that I found here in Omaha. Started drinking their beers. They're really good. Went out to Park City for a family ski trip and realized that is where Wasatch Brewery is. So it's kind of a fun little surprise uh, heading out there. So that's been my current favorite. They're pretty good. 
Cool. Well, we were in Idaho a couple weeks ago. Or in Idaho, we were in Colorado at Idaho Springs, and of course, there's a couple. There's a gr- couple great breweries. Mike, you used to live in Durango. Colorado has some great uh, breweries out there. So, you have a favorite Colorado brewery that you kind of from your time out there in Colorado? Well, in Durango, we had a beer called Ska S K A Brewing that was real small when I started, and they've grown to be quite a big. They've really been doing well. Um, blue or uh. New Belgium was really yep. big when I was there, and they were they were small, trying to make their way out, yeah. and they they've since exploded. Now you couldn't huge. get them you couldn't get them west of the Mississippi at the time, yeah. and now they're a big deal. But they, they were be, a great brewery. They become a staple, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they're in that place where a lot of folks uh, the the, yeah. the New Belgian beers are are becoming a staple, and I just thank God for craft beers. The the other stuff, the stuff we've drank in America for the last fifty years, is just crap. <laughs> when we think. Yeah. Okay. Who posted a picture of of? I I will back that 100%. You know, just hearing you diss Budweiser and all the great you know standards that made America great. You know, just we need to stick with them. I will I will always back Budweiser. I was just a little surprised that you posted that on Facebook, Mike. That's, yeah. That's all, that's all I'm well, saying. you know, the, the other ones are really expensive on the mountain. There was a. They were. They were. The Budweiser alone was nine dollars. So, and the other ones were more than that. So it was kind of crazy. Before we dig into the tech, and by the way, if you're new to the show and you're expecting some content within the first five minutes, this is what we do. So if you don't like it, sorry. Hang tight. We'll get to the tech here in just a second. But Mike Weger, how's the how's the ankle? We we know you're recovering. Yeah, going good. Just had a doctor's appointment yesterday, and uh, slightly weight bearing is what he said. So that means like walking with a crutch instead of just walking out. And I couldn't do it anyway. I went to go stand up for the first time when he said I was weight bearing, and I about fell over. So the muscle is just gone on that leg. So, uh, but recovery is going great, and still just. Getting excited to kind of get back into normal activities again. You're young; it'll come back fast. Yeah, that's so, that's the hope. So it it comes back super fast. All right, Mike Murphy. Let's get to know you a little bit. I it's weird because as I introduce you, I have known you now for I want to say a couple months at least, maybe three or four. We met through Blab, which is really interesting. That was kind of you know I was watching you go live on Monday nights on Blab and just kind of have this open mic night, which is really interesting because that's the name of Mike Weegers. Right podcast, you, your blab is called Open Mic Night, and uh, and so I met you through that. I joined you a couple times, and I said, hey, you're a gadget guy. Come on. Tell us a little bit about your background, kind of who you are, where you're from, what you've done. We know you grew up in Syracuse area, but you spent some time in Colorado, and now you're in Naples. Tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah. Um, I was born in Syracuse, went to school at UMass Amherst, and then I, right after that, I went out west. As soon as I graduated from college, I Migrated west and stayed out there, Montana and Colorado. Just did a little ski bumming, um, you know, worked in restaurants, bars type thing. But always had an interest in in the tech and the computers. And I was always kind of like dabbling in web design and, you know, just doing little things like that. But I stayed in Colorado for a while, um, worked in restaurants, bars, but always just played around with, I always kept myself kind of busy with the tech stuff and mostly just hobby stuff. Very, very, like, just for fun. And then uh, in Colorado, I um, was kind of in between um, a few things, and I got asked to come to Florida to help open a photography studio um, for a photographer who was already established, but they were trying to make kind of a big studio presence. And so I became the person to basically run the photography studio and figure out, you know, how to have backups and how to have servers and how to have a network and how to 
do the Photoshop and the graphics. So I just started, and this was, I'm going on about nine years now. So right when I got there, I basically just started learning as much as I possibly could. I spent a lot of time on lynda.com and, you know, just devouring as much I could about, you know, everything and everything I needed to learn basically. And I haven't really stopped learning those things. And so so they, they kind of brought you in for infrastructure backbone, and do you do some PC support as well as far as helping folks out with software and clients and some of those things? Not kinds so of much. We do a lot of portrait stuff. So they brought me in. I just got my master's degree in business um, at University of Denver. I was kind of, That's kind of I went Denver back to Durango. and um, So I just got in this business degree, and they were kind of needed a little bit of business to mix with. And I've always had this sort of creative mind, um, so I was uh, – I think I was more into the creative than the business side, but I had a kind of a fresh business sense. Um, in Durango, I'd run this little concierge business of kind of homekeeping and stuff. So, it, you know, and I knew the people that were doing it, so we had kind of a rapport going. And um, yeah, so when they brought me there, it was it was really just figuring out everything that needed to be done from the tech side of things, the graphic side, and the but not computer tech or not client tech, I wouldn't say. It was all internal stuff. Right. But, you know, the studio has grown to be fairly good size in terms of volume, and so I've had to really learn. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten my hands dirty in terms of backups and, so, you know, all that stuff. So Yeah, so how many in the shop? How many are you supporting as far as clients on the network? There's really just two to three people at, at, at the most. Um, there's We have some assistants that come in, you know, that will jump on, yeah. but it's really just, and the network is really fairly basic. I mean, we're using kind of a central server where it's more of a Dropbox type thing, but where we can remotely access and um, not super, not super complex by any means. But yeah, well, you've you know, you've gone kind of consumer grade for your server. I mean, what are you using for file storage and backup and those kinds of things? What what kind of device are you using? Um, we use a Synology. Um, it's the DS eighteen. 13 or 18, 15, it's like an 8-bay server. Um, we started off, I actually, when I first got there, we purchased an X-Serve. Um, Mike, you probably know the X-Serve. Um, that's since sort of been defunct. Um, but So I started off with the X-Serve, and I have to tell you, when we first got it, and I, I'm a Mac guy generally, um, but the X-Serve was kind of its own little ecosystem. You know, it, it ran, I forgot which... Not Mountain Lion, but it ran, you know, kind of a native operating system. But it was, it. I had to get. I brought in some help because it was really pretty confusing to set up. And uh, and when that sort of went outdated, they Apple sort of stopped updating it, and it wasn't, you know, Mavericks. It w wasn't working with any of the last two operating systems. So I decided to go with the Synology, and uh. Super simple, and it's just been unbelievably reliable. Um, very, you know, there's a lot of functionality to it, um, which we don't use a lot of it. But yeah, it's gonna say it's got a ton of client apps that are on that thing that you can run. Any, are you running any of that? You know, that that DSM software just is super powerful. It what is. are you taking advantage of? You know, and I like I like Synology as a company. Like I like the way they keep it updated. They keep it kind of fresh. When it first started. I think it's been about three or four years now, and it was a little clunky at first, a little kind of ugly-ish, and then it, they've sort of spruced it up a little bit. And, um, yeah, I've messed around with the cloud. Like, they had, like, a 
So we do, in the photography business, I mean, we deal with a lot of big files. You know, like we're, all of our cameras are, you know, 25, 30 megabytes of file. Um, so we're, we run out of space pretty quickly. Um, and we also deal with giving clients, you know, files, proofing. So I sort of thought the cloud, like, storage would be kind of handy to do, like, sort of a personal FTP type thing. And it really didn't, I mean, Dropbox is just, too it's too easy. too convenient, and uh, yeah. yeah, everything that we could do, something else just ended up ended up being ended up being up being easy. You know, we messed I messed around with the media server and MediaPlex, I think it is, and um, which is kind of cool, but we don't really need it. Yeah. I was I was just using yeah. things to try to use it, but you know. So for uh, for you guys, so for for you guys, I'm get an echo. Okay, I'm get an echo. Make sure. You get an echo too, Mike. Oh yeah, echo too, Mike. Oh yeah, circling. Everyone's circling. I wonder where that's coming from. Hold on. We'll give it a sec. I'm not. I'm not getting anything. You're hearing. You're okay, Mike. It's gonna go away here in a second. So we'll just give it a second to go away. There we go. Okay. Sometimes, some. I I don't know why it does that. Sometimes Hangouts just does. Um. So pretty much file storage, Mike. Are you are you okay, Mike Weger? Yep. We're good now. Uh, so pretty much for you, Mike, uh, file, it's pretty much file storage locally, right? Or, remote, the remote access is big, you know, so like I can, I can access, you know, so I use, um, I do a lot of the retouching, the graphics and whatnot, and I'm, I'm kind of the person that deals with the clients, like finished products, whether if they're, if I'm designing a card or a project or something for them so if you know if I need to access it from anywhere I am from home whatever you know we use all the Adobe Creative Cloud stuff so all my computers are synced you know anywhere I can log in I can access Photoshop or whatever and I can always access my server okay. so it's easy it's not good to work off of so if anybody's thinking about using one to it, we don't use it as a drive where we're doing all of our editing on. We actually, it, it ends up being too slow to do that. It's probably doable for um, for light usage, um, but, you know, we'll do these, you know, some of our, if we are doing a, did a wedding, you know, there might be 50 gigs of photos in, in it. It'll, t- it'll get on there pretty quick, but you can't really edit as quickly as you can as a, on a local drive. Yeah, not on the fly. So you guys are bringing those all local and then doing them local and then pushing them back up when you're done. Yep. So I I keep those I keep I have backups going off the local drives. I have small backups going off the local local computers and then the Synology is sort of the the big the important stuff like that's yeah, the how do you back up the synology what are you what are you using to get that done because that's important right there's that's kind of the source of truth for a lot of stuff right that they sit on the synology what do you what do you is that where you were you'd mentioned you'd been using crash plane but you moved away from it is that where you were doing that talk a little bit about that yep i'm actually using crash plan still is backing up the synology so crash plan does back up the synology um, and the reason at home I went off crash plan and went to backblaze um, per somebody's request or somebody's recommendation and crash plan was I actually still think it might be messing with a few things on our work network 
the problem yeah. is it's it's such a big it's such a big uh, turnaround to do right now that I've been delaying a little bit because I mean we we have our Synology I think now has eight or ten terabytes. So uh, moving that up to a new backup service would just be a bear. It'd be a month to two months probably. I mean a month. I think it took a month to do the first one. Um, Backblaze is nice if you're changing. I mean, I think CrashPlan is probably the same. If you're changing drives, it'll just sort of it. You don't have to redo it all. It'll just sort of see what are what's already up there. Um, I'm not sure if, but I know if I went from CrashPlan to Backblaze, you'd be starting from fresh. Yeah, you're no, you're gonna start. I just I spent I've been working on a project here in the studios where uh, we discovered a couple weeks ago CrashPlan is not really working with Windows Server anymore. 2012. And I was, I've been kind of like going back and forth, like, do I want to, you know, do, you know, I got this server thing running, I got VMs running it and some other kind of stuff. You know, and I've always had a Drobo that my kids bought me a couple years ago. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to go completely back to the Drobo. So I started tearing things down last weekend, took the server down, pulled the drives out, put them in the Drobo, did all that stuff you have to do with the Drobo, right, to get the, to recognize the drives and all that other stuff. And I took it from, I had about a terabyte and a half of space to about six in the process of of doing that. But I'm using CrashPlan, and actually CrashPlan wasn't working very well on Drobo, but there's some new owners at Drobo, and now all of a sudden CrashPlan works. (laughs) Amazing how that works. And I had maybe a terabyte, right, which would have probably taken on my connection with, a, with, with what it allows, and maybe it would have taken two months. But it synced with the old backup, and boom, it was done in a day, which was kind of nice. So that is kind of nice. And it sounds like Black, Backblaze has that same functionality. Yeah, well, I, Mike, you might know this, that um, CrashPlan has, whether it's a JavaScript or some, there's something on, that everybody hated about CrashPlan, and they got basically forced to fix this issue and I didn't know that initially when I got <clears throat> crash plan but there was something that was really messing with a lot of it it was one it was a security thing I think it was like a JavaScript type thing but um, and well, uh, well we know as a community we know crash plans a big resource hog so it, it it takes up a lot of memory in the PC when it starts up so if you got it running on Windows especially those it can just consume most of the RAM that you have in there as it's doing the backup. So we get Tony always lets me know every time we talk about Crash Plan. Tony says it's a resource hog, and yeah. uh, and it is indeed. It it has some issues. One of the interesting things is on the Drobo because that's not Windows. It's a little different, right? And it it it's super fast on the Drobo. It was available. The Crash Plan is available in, for Synology, right? A version of that as well. Does that run okay, or is that it, are you seeing some some resource issues with it on the Synology? It's okay with that, and I'm not noticing anything on the Synology because it's sort of just backing up. Where we notice it is on our local machines, right. and I actually think I think everything's messing with Adobe Creative Cloud, to be honest with you, including so like there's a lot of the Google Apple Adobe thing is is there's there's a lot of pieces that are misaligned I think because some of the programs that run, I mean all my machines are pretty fast and there's been in the last year lots of little hiccups that everybody's pointing at other things so Crash Planet work I don't know particularly if the problem is I'm suspecting that Crash Plan is causing like when there's a problem I'm suspecting um, 
like I'll do things in, and this is kind of probably not be known, but like there are certain things that I'll use in InDesign is a program I use a lot, and they use like live links. And one of the things that people say like Crash Plan messes with like the constant updating. Like there's all sorts of little quirky things that you know. Yeah, I need yeah. some at some point to cut it or or to try it, so I'll know. Basically, it might not be the problem, but yeah. Well, Backblaze is one of those we on the on, we have a cloud storage Noit guide that I've put together, and I keep it up to date. And Backblaze is one of those that sits in that area with Crash Plan. Acronis is another one of those that I've actually found on Acronis to be the best client, the least heavy works the best with everything. Acronis just works every time I use it with no problem on the client. They don't have a great cloud solution. It's Their cloud solution is a little expensive to, to back up to the cloud, but if you wanted to push those PC backups over to your Synology and you wanted a little light piece of software that would do it, Acronis yeah. is, uh, is a good one to take a peek at. Yeah, and they were yeah. saying in the chat room that the, the QNAP it's really hard to figure out how to work on the QNAP, and I totally agree. I went in and I, I wanted to use CrashPlan, um, but just could not get it to work, and so I ended up going with the Amazon uh, Web Services because it was pretty easy, actually, on the QNAP to set those up, and I used their actual apps that they have because the way on the QNAP is you can do it through the system settings. You can set up Amazon, or you can actually get the Amazon apps, which is it works a lot better, but I actually went through a pain point, and to help anyone out who's ever trying to use Amazon, so I started out on S3 as a backup, got the entire thing up there, and then got my first bill and realized just how expensive the storage is. I mean, it wasn't insane, but it was still more than I wanted. And I realized, well, actually, what, I'm, what I should be on is Glacier. Glacier is kind of their really, like, you're not going to touch this data unless you're really in a pickle, and it's going to take a long time to download. But I'm okay with that because I don't anticipate ever having to do that. It's kind of, it's... It's a, it's a last-ditch effort sort of thing. So uh, so I went with Glacier, but the problem is I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just move my backup over from S3 to Glacier, and you really got to read the fine print. And this is the problem. Jim was talking about this with Amazon, kind of the pricing structure is all wonky. It's not very clear, and it's true because in the fine print, if you read, transferring over costs a ton of money. Like, it's more than the, the storage itself. So what I did was just just nuke the backup on S3 and then start the whole backup all over again because it's free to upload to Glacier. Uh, there's no cost to do that for the actual upload. So I had to just nuke the backup and then let my QNAP for another two to three weeks back up again. But it saved me a bunch of money, and luckily that was out there just a Google search away, and I didn't click the transfer button. Uh, saved me about probably $60 worth of, worth of transfer fees, which would have been kind of insane. So... The, the, the glorious uh, world of living with Amazon Web Services <laughs> as my backup. And Jim warned me about this, and I told him, you know, and, and so I don't know. I still have my stamp of approval on it for a QNAP, the only scenario I recommend it, because QNAP is kind of weird with CrashPlan and any other one. But uh, I still like it, but, man, you got to be really careful that you don't incur some charges that you're not ready to pay. So I pulled, well, the, plug, I pulled the plug on it at work early on. That was, really? I was like... Yeah, I, I started doing it, and it was, you know, the permanent factor I could deal with because it was sort of that backup, backup graveyard. You know, right. Okay, but it, there are times for sure when we come back and get stuff. and But, I mean, it seemed cheap at the time, and it, we were still accruing, like, I mean, it was work, so, like, it wasn't, like, my personal, you know, like, but I was okay with spending the money a little bit, but it was still, I mean, it was up, like, the bills were getting up there, and, it was such a pain to do it that I just, I don't know, I didn't like the experience at all from the beginning. So I just said, you know what, like there's better options for us and 
I'm kind of glad I didn't really stay with it. Yeah. Um, Glacier now for me is I think about four to five dollars for 750 gigs um, of storage, so per month. So not the cheapest, but not too terrible. Uh, but yeah, you're right. The whole process of it, it it can definitely definitely be a bear. Yeah. Well, you know, we all of a sudden we became like the home server show uh, when we're talking about this. But good, you know, some good points. When Mike, we talk, we have a show dedicated to this on the network. That yeah, it's true. Helpful. I should probably leave it to them. Oh, no, no, no. It's good. It's good. Uh, Dave will send me a note like, "Hey, why are you talking about backups?" But um, no, good, good. It's interesting when we when because we also have Mike Howard, who's a photographer. He has JPEG to RAW uh, in this community as well. And that's a big deal. You're getting these big files, right? You guys are doing video and audio, uh, or I mean video and still pictures. Um, We're not, we don't do, the video is like not a big part of okay. our day-to-day. Okay. -day. But tons of pictures. Tons. I and mean, we, yeah. yeah. I mean, just normal. Like any, Mike, or anyone would know it, it just, it adds up. Yeah. And, no. I mean, everybody is, you know, nobody has, the my, my, community of workers don't understand any of the pains of backing up. You know, it's like, are you sure we need all these drives? I'm like, well, if you can figure out a better way to have three backups of each, because, I mean, you really, it is really important. Right. I mean, at home, if I screw something up, eh. But, you know, if we screw, if we, somebody's wedding or somebody's, you know, last thing, like, you have to, I, you know, you have to take it. That's the thing, too, and then storing it for however long you need to store it for that client. That client comes back to you in a year and says, hey, do you happen to have those? I misplaced them or, you know, whatever the case may be. I can't imagine how fast that adds up with all, you know. Yeah, yeah we, we kind of deal with high-end clients, and we part of our thing is lifetime archive, you know. I mean, we don't say oh, wow. we're going to. I mean, that's part of their thing is, like, I mean, who knows? I mean, if the business goes out of, it's probably not going to be lifetime necessarily, but um, as we as we know it, our lifetime or you know we yeah that's another thing keeping track. Do you give customers access to the Synology to get their own stuff off of, or how do they get what's the what's the, how do you do that when to give customers access to their data? Yeah, I mean that's sort of the bad thing of we store so much things and they only uh, we don't give them the high resolution files. Right. So like. We kind of deal with portraits, printed portraits. It's changing. You know, the whole industry is changing drastically. But um, we do our commercial clients. We end up giving them more, more of the files. But um, yeah, we use another online server. Um, we use an online platform for delivering proofs, a proof gallery. And in that proof gallery, you can, um, they can download. And the proof galleries actually has unlimited storage of files too, so we could actually upload all of the raw files there as well as a backup. So yeah, you you could almost upload them there and not make them visible to the customer, and then that you the, can. right? Yeah, I, just be there. Well, I can turn off the download. I have control over what gets downloaded, what doesn't. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, so um, we store. I mean, I keep a lot of storage of. I have. I mean, we have stuff going back forever. Yeah. And lots. Of left of it's some drives or the extra extra drives just in case that one didn't get backed mm -hmm. up. You know? I mean there's a lot a little of, bit of a nightmare though, isn't it? It's a nightmare. Yeah. We have a storage <laughs> unit with a lot of little drives and oh, that that makes me go crazy. Like I can't you know, I getting um getting you know, this weekend, even as I was moving data from the server over to the Drobo and getting it backed up, I was restless just until everything 
found its home and got you know got configured correctly. Even I had to rebuild that Drobo because it had it had only like you know a terabyte or so of data or of of storage, and I just thrown some old drives in there to kind of use it. But then I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to go full-time on it. And so I was restless all weekend until I got that work done. You know, it's like, no, I want to make sure it's backed up in crash plan. No, I want to make sure all the files are over there. No, I want to make sure I know everything it is. And I'm still, when the last time I moved servers, I moved all my pictures up to Mediafire, which is, a, you know, I got about a terabyte of space over there. And I had about 500 gig of, of pictures and videos and some of those things that I wanted to keep somewhere else. That's a large amount. Well, it was easy to upload it. I've had a hard, I've had it's taken a long time to get that 500 gig back, and that yeah. thing is running and running and running and running to get those files back. I had a hard drive die last week. A G Tech, my, my home one. So I always have two drives, and I just sync those together. But one of them, you know, was a month. I hadn't backed the other one up for like three, four weeks. So one of them just my main one died. So I'm like, damn it! Like to go back to Backblaze to restore that is like hard because it's not you don't I didn't know where I ended right. and my other drive was like a three weeks of the last time I synced so restoring can be a real time even though you, there's a safety that the data is there bringing it back to your normal state is not always easy or quick well if you're which is why we keep local backups right especially in this case right yep. this is why that importance of I've got one copy I'm working on. I've got a local copy that's considered a backup so I can get to it. And then I'm pushing something somewhere on a glacier or whatever, whatever you consider that, where it's out of the way. It's not going to get changed. So you you just purchased. It's on order. It hasn't arrived yet, but you're getting a Western Digital 8 terabyte MyCloud. Uh, it's an Ultra 2 Bay cloud storage server from Western. I love how they call these storage servers <laughs> from from Western Digital, but a pretty beefy uh, two drive. I imagine it's got two, it's got eight terabytes of capacity and, and comes with two four terabyte drives in it. What made you go that route? Is that for home? It is for home. I So I have these two, I have G technology drives, which um, are pretty popular in the photo industry, and and in all honesty, out of all of the drives that I've had over the years, the only ones I've ever replaced are the G-Tech drives, which I don't know why if I just got – because I do think they're a good company, but it's funny. Like, I've had a million – at work, we've had millions of Western – you know, kind of a hodgepodge of different drives. And, I mean, I usually stick with a couple brands. But, um, yeah, so I – at home, my th these two drives, I have to be local, or they have to be attached to my MacBook. And when I'm recording podcasts or doing anything, they're loud. They're noisy, and they're and one of them died a week ago. And so I'm getting this constant noise rumble that I, you know, I'm sort of a slave to this. And every time I unplug my Mac and bring it somewhere and bring it back, I have to, I keep, you know, I have a MacBook Pro Retina, so I have a very small drive. So all of my iTunes library, everything's on these these servers. So every time I plug it in, I have to go find my drive. You know, it's just a pain. So I bought the server um, because it looks to be fast. I've had good luck with the Western Digital. Um, I thought about getting another Synology for my home, um, but that requires buying a whole bunch of different drives. And this one was kind of this is going to live off. This is going to live off my. Uh, you know, it's going to live off of my. How are you going to connect it? Router. So it's just going to. I mean, my my modem and router is in another room at home. And uh, 
it's fast enough apparently to edit off of and to do everything off of. It's got remote access. It seems to be pretty beefy on specs and everything, and um, so it's just going to be my main my main home drive. I mean, yeah, actually, so it's got a one it's got a one point three um, gig. Uh, let's see, hold on. Yeah, a one. Hold on, if I can if I can actually read. It. Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying to read through my microphone. Let me let me move that. So a dual core processor. It's got a gig of RAM in there. Okay. Uh, that's available. So it and you can configure it. Of course, RAID zero if you want performance. RAID one for redundancy. Uh, JBOD or uh, spanning to suit your specific storage needs. There's some options that come with it. Are you going to attach it to the network? Or are you going to attach it direct yeah. connect to your to your Mac? No, I'm going to attach it to the network. And you've got power. I mean, you've got gigabit Ethernet throughout the house. I'm assuming there, yep. so that'll go pretty fast. But I think it should be fast. I mean, I could be, I could be regretting it. <laughs> you know? I mean, I actually bought it on a whim because I was really circling. I was circling the QNAP and the Synologies for this solution. This came up as a pre-release. It looked good. I've actually had good luck with those big, ugly Western Digital drives. They, they're super quiet. They usually, they've been dependable for me. So I said, you know what, B and H had a, had a, uh, I don't know. It showed up on one of their front things. So I said, all right, I'm going for it because I was just, I'm just tired of my current setup. So yeah, no, it's a nice, it's a nice kind of a bookshelf kind of, I mean, it's storage, right? It doesn't do anything more than that. It just does storage. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, that's all I really want, and I don't want, you know, I, like I said, the loud noise, the loud drives next to me are just driving me nuts. You gonna configure it for redundancy, or are you gonna configure it for speed? I think I'm just gonna do a RAID zero and then just run a hard drive off it. So okay. I'm just gonna, I have like, you know, a program like, I'll use like, ChronoSync or something, and just have it just back up. So sync to another, sync to another drive. I can handle the amount of data that's going to be going on it. Like, it's not going to be like at work where I'm just constantly, like, I can handle my own workflow much yeah. easier. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I think this is. I mean, when we think about the average guy, kind of home storage solutions, this is. You know, when you get into Synologies or QNAPs or Drobos, or like Mike building servers, like me building servers at home, right? We should catch up on that, by the way, Mike. But um, it, it that gets for the average guy that just gets to be a little too much, and these little Western Digital boxes are pretty yeah. handy. When it comes, I'd love to see them have dual Ethernet. That would be when we think about speed, because you're pulling that stuff off. It would be nice if it had dual. That could really help speed things up. But um, I, I think for what you're doing, it should be fine. So I'm not pretty cool. That actually comes in a, in a 12 in a 16 terabyte configuration as well. And I, I thought about going 12, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to end up getting, taking them. I'll take the stuff off. Um, I mean, I do a lot of video myself, personally. I play with a lot of stuff. I, I can accumulate stuff pretty quickly, but yeah. I can also I can get it off and make up room. Eight no. should be fine. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's actually a lot of space. You know, when you yeah. think, when it comes down right down to it, Mike Weger. When you think about all the storage you currently have at your house, what what do you think? What are you running? How much do you think you got? Uh, 
altogether? Uh, see, not not too much actually. The way I've spread it around works out pretty well. That QNAP that we talked about a long time ago that I got, it's a silent NAS. Uh, it's only a two bay, and I have two two terabyte drives in there uh, with redundancy. So I've, that QNAP only has two terabytes, and it's about half full, so maybe a terabyte there. But then I hang a I hang just an external drive off my Mac that does a time machine backup. And so there's a terabyte there. Actually, the most storage I have in my house is on my Xbox One. And I've almost, I've got probably a terabyte and a quarter uh, of games and stuff on the Xbox. So that that sits there. But when I think about just kind of how I'm going to manage it, I am going to build one more big, big box at some point this year. Uh, put it like a nice i7 in there and just have a bunch of drives. Uh, build just a custom box because my one problem is Plex. We use Plex every single day. Uh, we throw everything at it, but it, the server, Plex server, runs on my iMac, but the files are stored on the on the QNAP, and so just it's too many jumps. And then it's got to go from you know the computers talking to the QNAP, then it's talking to the Xbox, and we just get a lot of errors. Uh, just we have to keep refreshing and stuff like that. It's not terrible, but I think we're gonna build one more box just to and really just leave it open for expansion. And I think building your own can sometimes be a lot cheaper. Uh, you know, you just get a chassis and stuff like that, a big box and. Uh, Put some space in there to expand. I think I'll call it good. I've got uh, I've got Plex running off the Drobo too. That's been actually something we've used from day one off the Drobo. Really? And the Drobo is powerful enough, huh? Yeah. It does, no, it does nice. Even like Interstellar, uh, we okay. we put pretty big files on there, and that runs. Does it transcode? Pretty could it well. transcode for it? It can. Can you it too? It wow. Could. Yeah. Nice. No, it could, and it can. So we run um, we run that off the Drobo, and it it works great. And I actually set the Plex server up on the media center out in the living room because that's pretty... Sarah only watches TV off that. So it's got a core i3, an older i3, like a 540 or 530, one of those. Oh, so that's the server. Your files are stored on the Drobo. Yeah, the files are stored. So you're doing the same sort of thing as me. Your server is not where your files are stored. Correct. But it's got to come across the hop to pick up the files off the Drobo. And you the Drobo handles problem, are fine. Huh? I get no skipping, no stuttering, none of that. No, no it works See, out and the well. only we only get the problem on the Xbox One. On our phones, on devices, on computers, works with like like a dream. So it might just be you know the app on the Xbox One Could being a little be. flaky and stuff yeah. like that. And that also runs on a power line adapter. So you know, there's a lot of issues there. Could be sketchy. Mike, do you yeah. use uh, do you use Plex much? No, and, and I mean. I started, I mean, like I said, at work, when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be cool. You know, I can stream stuff through the studio, and yeah. it just never, you Didn't know, we have, for it. Yeah, I mean, we have an Apple TV, like, in the main sort of, like, sales room that came in, and it just ended up being, I mean, I just like to figure out, <laughs> like, how to use the stuff, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. I was trying to figure out, I'm always trying to figure out, like, some, you know, you have all these great tools, so. Some of them seem like I try to figure out a way that might make the you know clients have fun or whatever. Right, right. We just never and never really got it to where it was like I was really forcing the issue. You know, I was really like, yeah, trying try, to trying to make it work. Yeah, yeah. And at home, I don't have any of that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's funny. Sometimes we do tech just for tech's sake. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. the reason for this, and everybody's like, yeah, just. We don't care. They're like, settle down, tech boy. Ask, like, ask Hannah about the enti- the huge eight-foot server rack that is in my thing with three, four slots maybe filled towards the top. And she's wondering why she has to look at this ugly thing in our guest room every time she walks in. So. Oh, you need a bigger place. 
Yeah, but the Plex it. actually came in handy. I did first time I've ever used remote access uh, was when I was out in Park City and I find myself with a broken leg on the couch out there and I forgot to sync some movies and I just clicked and I was like, hey, let's see how well this works. It was yeah. flawless. It worked great. Not a yeah. single problem. So no, watching movies remote that way is sweet. Yeah, and you would think there would be limitations on your up and stuff like that, but my up must have been fine here enough. So, yeah, worked well. It does some throttling, I think, to make sure based on the device. Right. That's the best thing about having like that remote like network or whatever for me is, I mean, even just this Western Digital that I'm getting currently, like I go back and forth to my studio home, and just to be able to access all my home stuff, really without effort. You know, I mean, there are ways that you can hack in your, you know, home network type thing where it's a chore. Um, but having just this easy access to everything is, to me, a big, a big deal. I mean, I like to keep everything sort of simple and easy. Um, even though I like to play with stuff, I, my ultimate goal with everything is ease of doing. You know, like I don't like to fight with the stuff I, I have. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. right now dragging around a hard drive that it, it's just clunky. Like it just it makes me crazy. So it's it's one of those things. Storage, you know, I get about every six months. I kind of change up just to do something different, and I shouldn't. You know, you should kind of set it and forget it. But I get bored, and it's like, ooh, let's try. You know, here's the newest shiny little you know object that uh, that that could you know you could go with. You know. It's like I, I gotta quit doing this, Mike. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you're at your you also podcast, which is how I kind of caught you on Blab and um, and uh, you know this we don't typically talk about podcasting equipment, but I am interested when you you you've got a rig there, all we see is the end of your mic. But when you think about the gear that you've put together to podcast, what give us a quick rundown on your podcast gear, including microphone, and are you running through any any other equipment? Um, so the microphone you, is what you can see. This is the Shure SM7B. Um, big. Excuse me, I'm just getting off a cold too. So um, this is a big, gain-hungry dynamic microphone. Um, so it does require some extra oomph. I think this one in particular has one of the biggest need for gain. So I have. I'm running it through a cloud lifter. Are you familiar with the cloud lifter? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I originally had a Fet head. Um, Fethead is nice and easy, but I ended up getting a cloud lifter. Um, so this is the Fethead, but the cloud lifter is, um, I think, much cleaner. Um, I'm running that through a... When I do live streaming on Blab, I use a DBX-286S, so that's for the noise gate. Um, that seems to work well, but when I'm just recording, I'm not using that as much because I'm having... I don't really like the way it goes through, so um, but it is handy on Blab for getting all background noise and stuff out. And then I have a mixer, um, a Z10 Allen and Heath mixer. It's just a um, real simple, nice. I like it though. Um, I started off with an interface with a Focusrite 6i6 interface, which is nice and clean. I probably could have stayed with that, but being the kind of geeky person that I like to be, the mixer allowed me to have more, more slots to put stuff in, you know. So yeah, and a little more control without software, right? Anytime yeah. you get into those audio interfaces, you're talking a little bit more software. Yep. So, um, but yeah, and then I just I would do everything through Audition is pretty much um, what I like to run through, but it's pretty simple, 
pretty simple setup. And then uh, boom arm, standard, standard boom arm, and um, yeah. So nothing, not nothing out of the ordinary, or I mean, a pretty average setup. Uh, you know, I I run a, I run one of these twenty one hundreds into a you know a Mackie, I think it's a FX Pro eight, and runs right into the computer. Pretty easy setup. You know, we're probably talking three hundred bucks to get into something like that. Uyghur, what are you? What's your current setup now? You're yeah, still the. Time, the uh, like. I know the 2100, and when I'm doing it with you, uh, because I don't need anything else, it's just straight USB into the computer. And when I do my show, it's running through an Alesis Multimix 8 USB FX. Um, but when I'm actually doing my own setup, I still do it direct to Hangouts because I don't do sound effects during the live show. Just all the recording and everything is going through there, and then all into the uh, Tascam DR40, which is one of my favorite devices of now in podcasting. I don't know how I did it with before without a recorder. It's just become so handy. Gives you that wave file which is much easier to edit when you come in. So, so you're using that to re- that's what you record everything into? Yeah. So when I'm doing my live show, this is this is Google Hangouts is also getting a copy, but then I'm doing a local copy to the DR40. And it's kind of nice. You don't have to wait for YouTube to process it to download it. Uh, gives you a nice, really clean large wave uh, form file, so you, it's a lot easier to edit and then a little bit cleaner, so that's what I like to do. Yeah. I, that thing always looks like a shocker to me. Like, you know, you would take that. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what do they call those things? The taser. Oh, yeah. It looks yep. like a taser. Yeah, and actually, that, I was surprised how good the audio was from this microphone. Yeah, um, I just yeah. If you have them aimed correctly, they're actually pretty a de- decent option. They make a little foam cover for that, and you can do like a man on the street interviews where you just you know you do this and that. And it works great. The one drawback to it is your hand, if it moves around much on the outside of it, you'll hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it actually has a uh, I don't know what mount that is, but the mm-hmm. standard tripod mount. And so I put it on an old light stand. But we take it in the car, and Hannah and I record in the car with this, you know, because it's got two XLR inputs, so you can just plug in two microphones, and you can do a whole show just between two people. Works out pretty well. Mike, yeah, Murphy, have, you look like you got some gear coming out there. I have a, the Zoom H6. Oh, um, I'm jealous of that. That's the one I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a Zoom H4, so I really kind of started everything off doing video and the audio for video is like the thing that I was sort of most attracted to. So I ended up buying equipment, certain stuff, and then when I migrated into podcasting, I sort of changed some things. Um, but the Zoom H6, I mean, people love that recorder as well. Like these two sort of get the two plays between people. Like there's, there's people that hate the Zoom and they you know, love the Tascams. Um, right. I, I don't have any experience with the Tascams other than it seems to be like people. I haven't heard people not like them. You know, it seems like the people that like the task cams don't like the zooms or. Yeah, uh, people get into like their camps, and I think it's yeah. just you know, yeah. like it's like it's like Apple and Windows. Everyone just likes yeah. to have a side. Yeah. You know? yeah, but yeah, Jim. I I mean my podcast setup simple, but I also have a <laughs> a collection of stuff that <laughs> seems to be <laughs> in the drawer. Around. Yeah, I've got a few other. I could be a different setup tomorrow. No, yeah. um, you know, I don't overdo it with my stuff, but I have probably more than I need right now. That is a nice trend I think we're seeing in podcasting, where I think it. I think we're finally getting to the point where it's less about the equipment and more people. People are finally realizing that it's about the content. And, you know, it's, it really is. And when you think about all these podcasts, there are some podcasts I listen to that have 
mediocre audio at best, but you listen to it because they're so darn good. I mean, just the content is amazing. And obviously, audio is super important, and people know that, but I, I, I think I've, I've heard the question less, hey, what microphone should I use, or, or what, what this should I use? And a lot of them are focusing on now, what should I talk about? You know, what, what should I, who should I bring on? What should be the style of my show? And I think those are the more important questions. I don't know, Jim, you would know best because you're on a show that's totally devoted to that. Well, we do ask the podcast coach. But, Mike, you, your, your current series called Mike Murphy Unplugged, you're about 25 episodes in. You're kind of walking through the art of podcasting, right? I mean, you've been talking about it. You, you've talked about equipment, but a lot of the messages you've had have been around content and how to set that up and how to plan for it, right? What have you learned in the 27 weeks? I think it's probably been a few more than that, but since you have 27 podcasts, let's, let's say about 27 weeks, what have you learned about yourself or your own podcasting or even on the tech side? Has there been any, been any big aha moments or like, oh man, that you've grown through sitting down, because I, I think everybody should do a podcast just for the learning experience, right? I think there's a lot to learn about yourself when you do this kind of thing. doesn't mean everyone should have a podcast that's popular. I'm just saying the discipline to go through and create a podcast is interesting. What have you learned about yourself? Well, I can tell you I started the podcast to learn about myself as much as to help others. Like I kind of had this notion of I'm not sure what I want to do with all the knowledge or with all the tech stuff, with all the interests that I have. You know, I feel like I have a lot of stuff. A lot of people come to me locally, you know, or I've always been that person like, hey, how do you do this or how do you do that? Or, you know, so I've always been that kind of person that doesn't know a lot of, you know, I know a little bit about a lot of things. So um, I started the podcast really to just sort of formulate this or to get this way to just sort of share like all the steps that I kind of took to get to the starting the podcast. So um, I was really big on, you know, I knew I wanted to start kind of this online presence this thing and so uh, you know I've been teaching podcasting I like the tech and the tools but I'm balancing the you know the mental the mind shift the mindset stuff of coming up with content like like that stuff's hard you know like Mike's got a Mike's got a broken leg like I was sick I'm just getting over sickness this week I I mean I barely made it I made a show out this week. I was like sick up until like today, basically. So I was like, you know, those kind of things, like coming up with the struggle of like pushing through stuff, is is the thing that a lot of people don't think about. You know, episode one, two, and three is exciting, and then when you get four, five, six, seven, you know, when you're showing up every week, it's difficult, you know. And so I'm learning one that I'm, you know, like I'm actually very committed to things, or like when I like it's really important for me to show up every week and you know I'm, since I've started I've I've met 10 people who started with me who are no longer with me you know and like it's like you know that's kind of cool I feel bad for some people cuz like some of the people I've I've encouraged on blab to start they're no you know I follow them I I watch them I look for them and their their last episode was in November or December you know and it's so what have I learned? You know, I, I'm learning a lot of the things that I like to do. Or, you know, like I'm learning the things that I'm getting or that I'm good at or, you know. You, you had mentioned you in had some of your early episodes, early episodes. that uh, you're introverted, right? And you feel like getting, in, getting yourself into public was difficult. Has yep. that gotten, in 27 weeks, has that gotten better? Or do you feel more like if you had been on this show... 
you know, 29 weeks ago before we, you know, is there, is it different? Do you feel different now or is it still a work in progress? Yeah, I feel, I don't, I feel way more confident in my um, knowledge, I think. You know, like I think I always underestimated. I think everybody does who sort of knows how to do things, you know, like when I talk about things, I think that everybody knows how to do that or, you know, like I'm I'm realizing that the simple things for me that a lot of people who aren't around it just don't know it, you know. So it's like so now I'm I'm confident in myself in my abilities. I'm not I wouldn't say that I'm I haven't turned into an extrovert. <laughs> you know, I don't expect that to come. You know, I still but like being well, on black. You had some goals though. I mean I'm in those early episodes yeah, uh, I listened to it. I've kind of been. I I went back and listened from the beginning and and went forward. But um, and I still I listen every week. That's one of those things. This is your podcast has made its way into my repertoire of things to listen to. One because it's not like the typical. There's you know in the podcasting space, there's tons of podcasts about podcasting now. And I make one right. I make one with Dave Jackson on Saturday mornings. One of the things I've appreciated about your style is it's very planned out. So there's not a lot of wasted time in your podcast. You sit down. You don't read it, but it's very concise when you're going to it. And so I've kind of appreciated you You kind of write that out and then stick to a script and get in and get out, and I think they're 20 or 25 minutes. On 1.2 speed, I can listen to you on the way to work. It's, it's one trip for me on the way to work, and it's some good information. You've obviously done some research from that standpoint, but you know, I'm kind of always interested, for me, and I'm more interested in the story of how of the improvement story. Has it been an area of growth for you and, and have you feel like you've improved or hit the goals that you wanted to achieve um, by starting this adventure? I mean, I'm in that point now, like I'm 20 something. I'm, I'm figuring out where, like I, I feel like I'm at a stage now where I need to not pivot, but I need to, I need to move the ship a little bit. Like I've, so I started off really trying to explain not just how to podcast. I'm really teaching people the things that I think, they need to know, like, I am I stay current on the thing. So, like, I'm going in the space that I want to go in, and I'm trying to teach people kind of my, where I'm going, thinking that they might want to go there too, um, which comes, you know. But I feel like I'm in that space right now where I really need to figure out what, where I'm taking, you know, am I teaching podcasting? Am I teaching, because I like, you know, like, like this tomorrow's show is again it was a struggle for me to make, but you know it was about how much it costs to podcast like there's things that are i try to i try to make some of it re- reality too like like it's it's hard to it's hard to show up every week and it's hard to show up when you're not making money it's hard to show up you know like there's a lot of things that people are like screw this why am I doing it exactly. you know like no you know, and right I can on. see i could see it i could see it getting there and hundred episodes, I could see myself being like, what is, you know, right. what am I doing? Right. You know? No. Mike Weeger, uh, when you think about yourself, I mean, you're a new podcaster. Not really. You've been doing oh, yeah. this for a couple of years, but kind of. Have you have you achieved your goals or are achieving your goals and what you set out to do? Oh, well, so, so that's what I was going to start talking about, which is how crazy your goals change because I have blown past any number that I ever thought I would get to because when I first started, I, I thought if I had 20 people, I was going to be fa- I was gonna be 
like so happy, just ecstatic. Um, and I think that's because I had a I had a lost sense of podcasting. I didn't know really about the numbers. Uh, but one of the cool projects I just started that it's gonna be fun to finish up. Uh, I was I was getting a little down about open mic night, thinking man, I need to really ramp this up, and there's just no content right now. It's so dry, and so I was just getting worried. And so I was thinking about all the reasons I podcast, and thinking about you know it's really yes, it's about the podcast, about the content, but really for me personally, just growing as a public speaker, uh, as someone who can really maybe dig into issues a little bit deeper than I had before. And so what I did was I went back and I downloaded all of the old video files ever since episode one. And I'm making a compilation video going from just uh, just short clips from each episode from one all the way now to 70, whatever we're at. And man, looking at that first episode, it's always just killer. Even up to like episode three or four, I'm sitting there like looking with my hands like this and hoping people ask questions. And it's it's awesome because you come now and you look at the, like you know kind of the polished thing that you can create or semi-polished, whatever you want to consider it. But um, and you just see how much you've grown as a speaker, as someone who can talk about a news story in a concise manner in a way that helps people. It's just, it's fun. And so, yeah, when you talk about goals, I've, I've definitely achieved some, not all, but I've gotten most of them checked mark off. And, and they're not even goals. They're more of just like traits I wanted to improve on. And man, when I went back and started that project, and I'm about halfway through, and it'll just be so fun to finish it up, but I just noticed uh, just the difference in who I am as a podcaster back then and who I am now. It's a lot of fun. Mike Murphy, did you do all your own? I assume you did all your own graphics work and all your own photography work for your for your podcast. Was that something you did, or are you the creative person behind your artwork and and all those pieces? I'm the one, I'm the one man band. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you listen to Mike's podcast, you'll hear him say that. That's kind of the theme of the podcast: is join my one man band. I yeah i I don't outsource much. I mean that's sort of my that's my that's my uh, curse is that I got I have too many uh, I have too many things that I do or you know not all well but I I mean I no I think I, it's good some people want that control right I mean it's it's that that it's well, your I, thing right it's not even that I just it, like it'd be like the stuff like Photoshop and the I mean I could certainly I would love to have like a graphic designer that was more a different like it's really hard to do your own stuff but um, yeah. It's not hard for me to do the graphics and the stuff. I mean, in terms of just doing it, it's no yeah. big deal. Yeah. It it was to come up with stuff, but like I'm picky or you know, I'm picky, you know, I'm self-critical, but um. Yeah, we're all a little hard on ourselves. Yeah. You know, I I think uh, one of the interesting things, and I was t I think I was talking to you about this on Blab. One of the unintended consequences of starting a podcast and doing this is is there are there's records of me now, good or bad, out on the web that my kids may stumble across, you know, 20, 30 years from now, you know, you think about it or whatever, something would happen to me. And they have all these, I mean, I, I sometimes I wish my dad would have had this opportunity. Like, I have memories of my dad. He passed away a couple years ago. For the last decade before that, he was... He really struggled with his health, and so we don't have those. So all the really good memories I have are as a kid. And it would be so much fun to catch my dad in his 40s and 50s, like I am right now, and hear those stories. Like, what was my dad thinking? What was he thinking about? What he thought? What did, what, what did he think was important? Uh, you know, those kinds of things. And so, Mike, you, Mike Weger, you're off to an early start, right? I mean, you're, you're young, you're a kid. You know, uh, Mike Murphy. We're we're a little more in the same age group, uh, I think, uh, when we think about that. But 
It's one of those legacy ideas. Let me ask you, Mike Weger, first. Have you thought about that when you think about, like, you're leaving all this digital content behind, which I may have. or may not be watchable, but have you thought about that? Well, I hadn't until just now, but when you think about it, so photos say a lot and short videos of vacations say a lot, but when you think of how much video we have out there of us, um, technically, you know, when, when we pass, uh, our generations below us could watch. If they started episode one, and just watched once a week, just like they were, like they would have if they had been around. You hear stories of our lives. You hear about the broken legs. You hear about when I announced the hand I get married, and you see, like you hear our emotion about the stuff. Um, there's been times that you've shared really personal stories, you know, in that in the post show and stuff. And those are going to be there for the. And you're so right. I had not thought of this, and that's super cool. It kind of gives me goosebumps as you said. I was like, man, that's super weird because I did start so young, and I don't plan on stopping podcasting ever unless I'm forced to. Uh, so. I might have one from age, you know, 20, what was I, 23 when I started, 22, all the way until I'm older, and that's, that's kind of cool. It's fun, but podcasting is way more real than any of that other stuff. I mean, you hear some you hear some good stuff, and that's kind of weird. You'd see us yeah. age. If you did it in fast forward, you just put the tracks on like 10x speed, you would just see the aging. It'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah I, I think go ahead, it's pretty cool. I mean, I heard, I think it was actually Gary Vee recently talking about the importance of leaving the legacy is, it's not so much, you know, building this business so much as, like, like what you're doing online is a big deal for your, you know, I don't know. Like, it's not a big deal to me because I don't have kids, so it's not like I'm leaving this legacy. But I do think it's something to consider. And I know that the people that listen to my podcast locally, they're, like, I have a couple of friends that are 70-plus. I mean, they look at me differently. I don't know if, Mike, if you feel this way, but, like, since I've been podcasting, they're like, you know, like, it's like they see this, uh, I don't know, like, they're actually, I don't know if it's a new form of respect or something, but they're like, there's this sort of like, man, I mean, they look at me differently, yeah. and like, I notice it, in a, but in a good way, like, it's like, they're like, I mean, just tonight, this friend of mine, she's 70-something, she's like, you're my s- Friday morning at 6 a.m., is, you know, like, I mean, but it's funny, and she. The people they could care less about the stuff I'm talking about, but they're 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 liking the growth and the personality, you know the yeah. which well, is yeah. The one thing too is kind of crazy. So podcasting used to kind of be niche and and hobby, and so now okay now it's mainstream, right? And everyone usually most people now or or at least more than half have heard of a podcast. They know what they are and they think of these big name ones. So now it's kind of weird when they hear that you podcast because they associate podcasting now as kind of this big thing yeah. like oh it, it's this big deal so you podcast like you actually have one so it's kind of the the weird wave that it went in where it used to be niche and hobby and kind of nerdy and stuff like that and and now sometimes when people hear they they think oh my gosh that's a huge deal and it's kind of cool so I, I know the same thing like I told people at work I did it and they kind of just were it was it was weird it was just different to them and then one of them actually listened and now she comes up to my desk and asks me questions about it all the time and so it's kind of fun yeah, I mean that's that's some personal growth, or you know, it's like you you don't feel like you've changed, but you probably have yeah. because your thought process. I mean, my I'm always thinking about how to like one, you know, what am I going to talk about next week is one thing, but you're also trying to say like, okay, like now I have like something that I got to like, you know, there's been a few shows that I'm not really super psyched on in terms of like making them, or you know, like I don't feel like they were great, or like this week is. One of those things, but you're sort of saying like, "Damn!" Like now the not the pressure, but like you sort of have to 
deliver. Or, you oh, know, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I just learned, I did a survey just um, the last two months. I've been running a survey uh, for the podcast, and what man did I find out people people hold you to a standard and well that and people know a lot about you people like people wrote yeah. some weirdly oddly personal <laughs> stuff in there that I sometimes I forget how much I say on the podcast and I forget how much of my life is public because they'll ask about something or they'll say something but uh, but the big thing was you know accountability like uh, you know like what the biggest comment was like you guys need to be more you know reliable it's 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 on it's off it's on it's off and stuff like that and you kind of forget that you become kind of a part of their schedule jim always talks you know jim you always say this like you know you you become a part of my schedule you're my friday morning drive you're my thursday morning drive whatever you are and i and i have those podcasts that are that for me and i guess i would feel the same way so it's it's interesting you get held accountable for things you you're like, oh, well, it's just a single podcast that I do. It's no, not really it's that big of a deal. Around. Yeah, it's just goofing around, right? This is just me right. sitting behind a microphone, and then all of a sudden, it's it's someone's drive. So yeah, yeah, it's it has been an interesting journey for me. And in, in that, on the tech side, um, I just do it because I love it. The work thing has gotten kind of crazy, and that's so cool though. We're that, doing that, that. It blended yeah. in for you. Yeah, no, just kind of. I just it just happened, right? Yeah. And, and now it's blowing up at work. And I'm getting some cool opportunities, including, you know, we're doing a strength summit in Omaha this summer where we're going to get, you know, 500 to 1,000 strength enthusiasts from all around the world to come in and be a part of this conference for three days. And I, I'm getting these messages from all these people that, man, I can't wait to meet you. Like, I'm coming. I can't wait to meet you. And I'm hearing that a lot. And this is a weird world where all those listeners, they're coming because they listen to the podcast and other things, but they're all avid podcast listeners. And it's a convergence where in that it's it's going to be a mob for a couple of days because I speak to these guys every single week, sometimes twice, sometimes three times, and uh, and so it's uh, I, as I think about summer, I'm like, uh, so we've we thought it would be funny that if we we're going to put a booth up at the conference and it would just have a TV, and I would I would just show up like in the booth on the TV, right? And I wouldn't actually be there; I'd be across the street or something. <laughs> It's uh, no, and I think, you know, I think podcasting beyond the media stuff that we do, I just think it has so much potential for growth, and it's not for everybody. But I think if you're thinking about doing something like this, all three of us are podcasters, and when we have Mike Howard on, you know, he's a podcaster as well, and it it's got such an opportunity. Two weeks ago on Ask the Podcast Coach, we talked about a really difficult situation that Mike Howard had with a guest he invited on to create a firestorm in his community and Mike kind of had to handle the firestorm and he's a pro so he handled it like a pro and did a great job but it's those kinds of things I think that just make us better people and so I you know Mike I I applaud Mike Murphy I applaud you and the work that you're doing on with Mike Murphy Unplugged love that podcast it's nothing like all the other podcasts I listen to because it's scripted and it's concise and you know you get to the point and yet I find myself getting to work with two or three things I want to think about. Like, you'll say something, I'm like, ooh, ooh, I should, you know, I'm driving. I, you know, I'm thinking, okay, i got to remember that, got to remember that, got to remember that. And I think that's the, the, the value on the backside of being a listener is that um, it, it, it prods us to do new things. And so we kind of think, oh, I should Mike Weger. I, when I, I'll listen to open mic night even though that most of it's rubbish about <laughs> Apple but I, I will I will I'll listen to it and I'll, oh I should be like you mentioned um, and it wasn't on this show but you mentioned like find 
Find my phone. What's the yeah? App find my or, iPhone. Yeah. Find my iPhone. I thought I should have that on my phone <laughs> in case something happens. Right? It's those little tidbits of information. And Mike Murphy, I've appreciated as you as you've gone through your show. You're methodical about it, and so each show has a topic, and from beginning to end, you tie that all together. You know, we're we're all over the place here tonight, right? But your show is very much like boom, 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 boom. Here's six things I want you to think about. So. Great job on your podcast. I, I, I want to say no. I, I enjoy listening to it. It's one of those that's it's joined my regular rotation. I look forward to it, um, you know, every that. every single week. And and we all have things to learn from each other. Um, yeah. So if you're if you if you're a listener of uh, Home Gadget Geeks or Open Mic Night and you haven't checked it out, uh, I put the link in the show notes uh, for you as well. But Mike Murphy Unplugged on Show Twenty Seven. You should go back to one and listen through it. I would say if you're interested in starting a podcast, it would be a great journey to go through. They're each about 20 minutes, 20, 25 minutes, I think. 18. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do it even faster because I put it on 1.2 speed. Yeah. It's, it's much better. On one, I love it on 1.5. <laughs> yeah, I can do it in 15 on 1.2 or it's like 14 minutes, and that's about my drive in. Um, but a good journey. I encourage if you're listening to this and you haven't thought about starting a podcast, don't uh, – don't think it's got to be a big deal like we've made it. Uh, sometimes just the exercise of going through and recording some stuff has been is good enough uh, to kind of get you going. Mike Murphy, thanks for taking some time tonight. We have a post show, so hang around a little bit for the post show uh, as you do that. But thanks for taking the time tonight to come on and talk a little bit about what you do. We, just, we had some great backup discussion in there and kind of fun to talk about podcasting. We rarely, to be honest. Mike, I think I think I'm right. Mike Weger in this, we don't talk about podcasting very much, do we? No, I was surprised we went there, but I like yeah. it. Yeah. It was a nice, nice little uh, side combo. No, it's good. We don't talk about that very much, and right. and I just felt like tonight would be a good night to uh, to bring some of that out. Uh, of course, I'm on Saturday mornings with Dave Jackson, 9:30 Central, 10:30 Eastern. Askthepodcastcoach.com/live. Tons of podcasting <laughs> talk over there. You. And, Almost more than you can handle. So if you if you want to head over there, um, Mike, do you get a chance to listen to us live or recorded on that one? And what do you think? Give me some feedback on that show. I I always try to make it live. It's like the worst timing for my personal like weekend thing. Like I'm always out, um, so I end up watching the replay most of the time. Um, yeah, I I mean, what I see, I like talking about podcasting. So I like you know. Um, it goes quick for me, you know. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of like questions, or yeah. you know, there's yeah. not a lot of back and forth. Like, it's a right. very quick show. You yeah, know, I so. push Dave's tempo. That's one of the things I try and do on there. Is is his co-host is push the tempo. Just make sure I always feel like that's my job as a co-host. That when there's moments, and I can kind of sense when Dave is coming. Like he's finishing a thought and he needs to think again. That's the nice thing about having this is Uyghur. This is why I have you on every week, because if I get stuck, you're gonna have a thought, and yeah. and so I push that tempo on there on purpose. And so we try to cover a lot of material in a short amount yeah. of time. It's a very good. You guys have a very good sort of like presence Back together. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy. Dave Jackson is a great guy. I love hanging out with him. But it comes. Some of this comes. You know, when Mike Uyghur started with me a year ago. Uh, although you came in and you did pretty well from the start, Mike. I'm not gonna lie. Well, you, but it always yeah. takes a little bit to get to get your cadence back and forth and to understand each other's cadence. I remember we had a conversation after like the first and second show, and you're like, 
Okay, and you had to like give me a, like a don't worry about like saying something or stepping in, and you know we talked about it, and it's a conversation that you have with the co-host. And when Colin joined me on open mic night, it was the same sort of thing. And we're him and I are still trying to get it down. I think uh, it's gone. Oh yeah, and it's, it's I think you're getting a lot there. better. Yeah. And uh, and we talked about it all the time. It's just kind of like how do we develop our our sense back and forth on the microphone? Because those are some of my favorite podcasts when there's just a dynamic duo and they just feed off each other. Those are the fun ones. Hi there. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was just gonna say, like, my favorite blabs have been where there's like either. I mean, you've been on a few of them where if the conversation, if people are coming in, like, I love having somebody that I know I can just nod to or just like not even pay much attention to. Like, if if there's a Windows question or whatever, I could hit you or something. When Kevin sits on, you know, Kevin's a Scottish guy, Mike, who comes on like. His time is two in the morning till seven in the morning. His time, but he has a very like different outlook on things. So like, yeah. it's, like I like when I'm able to facilitate on Blab much more than just like answer questions. So I've never really, I've never really wanted to do like an interview type podcast or even a co-hosted podcast. But with the right set- setup, it's actually really enjoyable to have like somebody else to sort of bounce off of or to you know. It's a nice feeling if you can get the rapport, get the yeah. You know, the, yeah. The well, that's the most. The, I think the most important part of this is the friendships that are built in yeah. in these, because yeah. Mike Weger and I are together every week, and Christian Johnson before him, and Andrew Morris before him, and the relationship I get to have with Dave Jackson on Saturday mornings because of that. I think of Dave McCabe, who I podcast. I mean, really, it all goes back. Dave McCabe was the very first entry into podcasting for me. He's He's the guy that kind of gave me the start on on the home server show, um, and and so you know and and Dave I hang out with him now we do meetups and and I head out to Indianapolis and some of my favorite times are hanging out with these guys the guys in the chat room a lot of the guys, a lot of the guys that are in the chat room tonight uh, I've hung out with at uh, in some form or fashion in a meetup not all of them because like Rennie's in Australia and we haven't seen you yet Rennie um, although Rennie was close and I couldn't make it but it 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 is one of those things that I just think it's amazing in fact. I've had some some of my best friendships are with guys I haven't met yet, and so it's one of those kinds of we've just met doing this, and so if that's the only benefit out of it, then I say go for it. And uh, I, and I should say, Mike, to both mics, that the audience participation is really super key in what we're doing because as much as we say we do this if no one is listening, that's a total lie. Like we want people to listen, right? That's right. That's why we do it. Let's just admit it. And of course. It wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't work for me. It wouldn't work if I, I look at the chat room here, and this is the same. You know, it's the same ten guys we get each week who are super dedicated to coming out live and uh, in in talking to us, and so we appreciate that. And yet, you know, I get a couple thousand. Mike, I think you get a, a couple thousand. Uh, Mike uh, Murphy, you probably have some good ideas of what you're getting for. Are you getting numbers, the numbers that you no, want I'm, for? No, no, I'm low, low, and I'm not. Well, a, I'm not. Um, you just started though. Yeah. Just, I, yeah, yeah. So that's when, you know, the struggle for me is, well, one, I wanted this sort of ask me, like, I like being the problem solver for people. I'm yeah. solving imaginary problems now is like my sort of my topic. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm yeah. I'm trying to get a guess. So, it, you know, it's, it is a little difficult because my podcast does not have engagement that I'm aware of. You know, like, I don't get a lot of feedback. So it's, um, it's, that's the toughest part, I think, for me as a new podcaster. And 
you know, doing a solo show, I mean, if I was to get on other people's shows or interview people, like, I would probably spread the name more, but, so, that's a difficult thing, and especially, I could see people fading because of that, like, you are not speaking alone, but yet, when I go on Blab, I've got the same 10 people that I see every week, and some of those people, like, are, you know, some aren't, like, listeners of the show, it doesn't matter, but there is that, like, feeling, like, like they're glad I'm there, or they, right. you know, they show, up, they show up just to say, "Hey." Yeah, that's what I do. I show up Monday nights to hang out with you. It's, you know, I I like hanging out with you, and so I about Monday night, eight o'clock, I think Central Time or so, I jump out there and and uh, and chat with you, and and so so let's give Mike a little bit of bump. Let's do an average guy. Uh, we'll we'll get an average guy bump for you, Mike. If uh, you're listening to the show, head out. Grab. Uh, I put the link. I'll put the link in the show notes. But it's really just mikemurphy.co, and then uh, click on the podcast. Have a listen. Give it one or two. And uh, and Mike's really talking about starting a podcast. And if uh, if you like that style and it's something that you're thinking about, give it a listen. And let's see if we can we can give Mike a little bit of a bump uh, in, in his ask numbers. Me here. Ask me a question. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Send a question in to Mike. Yeah. That would be a good. Start that dialogue. You've you've heard Mike on the show. You know he's a nice guy. I like nice guys. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I like nice guys. And uh, Mike was a nice guy. And I and and I said, hey, you should come on. And I didn't have you on so that we could bump your numbers. But let's just try and see what we can That's do fine. and see if we get some folks to uh, to have a listen. Give you some feedback. Give you some questions. He's a tech guy like us that likes to answer some questions. So. It was the oddest notification I got when you tagged me in his show on Blab, and it was like open mic night, and I thought for some reason my open mic night show was like started and going, and it was, <laughs> so that's how I found you, Mike, for the first time, because I think Jim like tagged me in the comments on Blab, and it showed up on my phone, but it scared me at first, and I had to click in and see what he was watching uh, to understand, but it was it was entertaining. I remember yeah. Like when I saw your thing, on, I clicked on. It, I said, "Oh, I like your name." Open. I saw that. Like I yeah, didn't know him. You said that. Yep. And you were talking right to me. That's who I podcast with. I was like, I had no idea. For one, yeah. open mic had a long time ago like meaning to me. Like I used to play open mic nights, and that was so you know, I was like, whatever. But right. I was like thinking I was clever, you know. And yeah, so did I. <laughs> I think we're both clever. That's that's the thing. Yeah, we're both clever. So I was like, yeah, oh, great, great, great minds think alike, Mike. Like, yeah, I've been doing this. Hey, um, Lopta has a question for you. Why Why do you start at episode three? I think I started at one. Oh, cause so like if you're we're on your we're on your site and yeah, I might have got, got cut off. Yeah, I might have gotten cut off. Okay. Um, yeah. If you want the episode one, ep- yeah, you should probably start with episode one. Yeah. I should yeah. probably. Actually, episode one, if you keep scrolling on the page at the very bottom, it, there's a, a tab that says recent episodes at the very bottom. And if you keep scrolling to the bottom, you can get, or maybe it'll move to the sidebar for you. Yeah, i got to fix that. that yeah. There wasn't a drop-down link for the menu at night. One, one is there. Nuts, the longer it gets, there. i got to fix that. So, uh, no sweat. The, the, the tyranny of a podcaster is always... You're always fixing stuff. So, let me for the recorded version of this. Let me let me wrap this up, Mike. Stay around. Both of you guys stay around for a little bit of post show. Let me just remind everyone: if you have any questions or comments, contributions for me, let me know. Uh, just send me an email, Jim at theaverageguy.tv. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. That account's been growing, and we've been a little more active on Twitter. So, if you want to jump out there and ping me, um, my Twitter activity is actually picked up at work, and so I'm spending a little bit more time on Twitter with my own account. So, if you want to. Do that with me out there at Jay Collison gets me where. Of course, the Average Guy TV platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners. 
Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people you know and trust. For more information, head out to maplegrovepartners.com. You can also go out to theaverageguy.tv slash MGP for Maple Grove Partners if you want to do that. I just set that up this week because if you now go out to theaverageguy.tv, there is a handy-dandy link for Maple Grove Partners, upper right-hand corner, a little uh, handmade nice. banner ad from Christian. So if you uh, if you forget or you want to get a link to it out there, Christian's plan start at 10 bucks. Plenty of storage for a podcaster, plenty of storage for a blogger uh, if you're out there. 10 bucks a month gets you set up, secure, reliable WordPress. There's nobody better at WordPress than Christian. And so if you're interested in getting started or moving your stuff over, Christian will even migrate you onto Maple Grove Partners. And uh, great, that's what we use at TheAverageGuy.tv. A great, uh, great, he's, and he's not interested in growing too big. Like he wants to keep it fairly reasonable so he can host it. And, and you know, he does a lot of the stuff that he's doing in his cybersecurity program. He he does that through the website. So great way to a uh, great way for him to do it and a great way for us to support him. So head out to maplegrovepartners.com. We we'll thank Roger over at WLMN Radio for broadcasting this live out in Grafton, West Virginia. So Grafton people, send us an email. Jim at the average guy. They don't get this far, Mike. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. In Grafton, they're not getting this far. But send us an email, Jim at the average guy.tv. Let us know. Love to know. And uh, don't forget about the mobile app. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. We'll thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. And actually, you have a new app out, a new authentication app. I heard about it today where uh, if you want to sign into something and you have dual factor, it will alert you on your phone, and all you have to do is click OK on your phone. You don't have to use those crazy codes. So I need to test that out. But uh, LastPass.com, and we thank them for their sponsorship. Don't forget to use the Amazon affiliate link, and we've had a couple questions about that. You guys do a nice job of supporting the show theaverageguy.tv slash Amazon or Amazon CA if you're in Canada. No, I don't have a UK link because I have no, no way to deposit those funds over there. So uh, no UK link uh, as well. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter on the front page, although I haven't done one in a while. I will get one out here at the end of the month. going to do a little traveling, so I will get that out as well. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out at theaverageguy.tv slash live. want to thank you for listening. If you are listening live, stay around for the post show. With that, we'll say goodnight.